After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome back to Mind Rolling. I'm Raghu Marcus. And today we're going to have a laugh or two, actually, or three, because my guest today is Natasha Leggero. And uh, I'll tell you more about Natasha in a minute here. Uh, just uh, again, my usual reminder uh, to uh, tune in to the Be Here Now Network.com because we're we're still pretty young, six, seven weeks into it, I think. And uh, yeah, we, we encourage everybody to go there and take part in everything because we keep adding wonderful new elements from our teacher spotlight to our Awakened Heart blog series to new guest podcast, podcaster series. The first one we have up there is Roshi Joan Halifax and Mirabai Star is about to go up. So there's some wonderful new additions, and we encourage you, please, to do a few things. First of all, of course, subscribe on iTunes so you get these podcasts wherever you want. Pretty soon we're going to have our app. We keep saying that, but we, we are for sure by the end of the next month, at the end of September, it's going to be there. And uh, But leave comments, too. We really, uh, that helps uh, spread the awareness, certainly on iTunes. You go up there and just leave some comments on whichever podcast it is. Of course, we'd love you to go to Mind Rolling and leave some comments there. That would be great. Uh, and um, we would love, again, uh, for everybody who's interested to uh, leave comments, too, on the website, BeHereNowNetwork.com. Just go and... Uh, you know, whatever podcast or blog you might read, we'd love to hear from you. And it also helps us think, okay, who else would everybody out there love to hear from? What subjects would they love to hear about? So uh, that's something that we, yeah, be a little of an interactive, more interactive feedback to give us more of an idea. That would be great. And of course, the support stuff, which is, Oh, getting your Amazon that Amazon link on BeHereNowNetwork.com and just bookmark that and whatever you order from them, we get a little piece, which everybody knows about. And then just donate. You know, the recurring donations really go a long way to help. Uh, this is now part of the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation, so we are completely supported by everyone who shares the content and all the content uh, is free at one point or another. So... 
That's the only way we can do it. So enough of that, and on to, is that enough of that? Hmm. Is there anything else I can, we have so much going on. By the way, with the, um, you know, when you do the Amazon deal, every podcast we put up stuff that we've either talked about on the podcast or that's related to the subject matter of the podcast. And so you can find all of that on the page of that particular podcast and order that. Uh, through Amazon, if you're interested. So, uh, Natasha Legero is a very charismatic. In fact, charismatic is the word. And in fact, in the podcast, we actually talked a little bit. What's the correlation between charismatic? I said charismatic is someone who's got a lot of shakti. She went shakti. What's shakti? And shakti is, I said, is that thing which. Immediately, you might meet a charismatic person, but their level of conscious awareness may be lacking. They're just more of a sexy or powerful or uh, 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 magnetic in in a worldly way. This is magnetic in a spiritual sense where you can actually feel someone who's steeped in the vibrations of... uh, of, of the core foundation of what we are made of, and they are a little, this is a long uh, definition of that, but they are less, they have less blocking who they truly are. So they're Shakti-filled. So Natasha certainly has, uh, has that going for herself. Uh, she's been a stand-up uh, comedian for a long time on a lot of different television shows. I met her through Duncan Trussell, our podcast guru, and uh, in fact, uh, they first, she talks about how, uh, I think she talks about it in the podcast, how they first met Ramdas was through a Skype session with him, and uh, uh, she also has participated uh, with us, with Duncan, uh, and particularly with uh, Jack Cornfield. There's a, a great podcast, by the way, if you're interested, look up Jack and and his podcast with uh, Natasha on Be Here Now Network, and um, she's done stuff more recently with you know that show Chelsea lately with Chelsea Handler. She's done a bunch of stuff with. She's friendly with her, and right now she's got a, a wonderful TV show on Comedy Central called Another Period, which is a comedy. And so uh, we talk a lot, a lot, though, about what are the things that prompted her to do a little bit of self-inquiry, and uh, aside from everything that led her to her current career path, and she ended up at the retreat with Ramdas, and uh, we made friends there. So uh, this, she's fun and light and yet insightful, so please enjoy this podcast. And uh, we shall return with more next week. So here we are, mind rolling with Natasha Legero. Hi, Natasha. Hi. So great to be here with you. I was going to say great to be here, but it's my house. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always great to be in yeah. my house. Or like Keith Richards said when someone said, hey, so happy to have you with us, Keith. And he said, happy to be anywhere. At this point. <laughs> Not quite so, a compliment. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. <laughs> you know right. Mick Jagger just had a baby? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> Is that possible? He's 73. I know. Kinda I mean, cool. who's thinking? Are they thinking? Is he thinking? Okay. How does he have that much sperm? Yeah. 
<laughs> Motable, or what is it called? I don't know. But yeah, un- well, he's got a lot of Shakti there, Mick. He really does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you're a busy gal, huh? Can you tell if someone has Shakti just from looking at them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Other people might say, wow, pretty charismatic person. Mm. And that would be kind of similar. But uh, Shakti, uh, in my mind, it, it's a little bit more broad because, okay, it's a charismatic person, but that other element that they have is something that resonates with that mysterious place inside all of us. And so you gravitate towards that and you go, oh, okay, something is being passed on here or I'm feeling a certain vibration that I don't normally feel with another person, yeah. And it's not always fueled by sexuality, but Mick Jagger is, is obviously. Yeah, but what's, hey, that's the whole thing. You know that original set that uh, Ram Dass did? Uh, the, uh, the Be Here Now, the original Be Here Now was the called, book. yeah, the book. Prior to the book, in, he was working in Taos, New Mexico at a place called the Llama Foundation. That's where it all started. Really? And, yeah. I'm going there tomorrow. What? To Taos. Oh, you're kidding. Never been. Oh, you must go to the temple in Taos. Oh, great. Where the, the Ramdas brought over a big statue of Hanuman, the monkey god, right? Wow. And it's right in the center of town. You've got to go there. And when we're done with the podcast, they'll give you the information. Perfect. Because that, yeah, that, uh, it's, it's a very, that has a lot of Shakti, that monkey. Oh, boy. I'll show you a picture, too. Um, anyhow, so up in the mountains from there is this beautiful place called the Lama Foundation. Very famous in the 60s. It's still going on today. And so that's where they put what's called the original box set prior to be here now you can go on it's even difficult to get it but on ebay you know the, for 500 bucks you can still get these so we buy them so use them for auctions and stuff but it has it has uh maybe six or seven different pieces and the brown pages from be here now are all uh it's like uh, you know they're tied together with beautiful string and and it's a larger format and there's this there's an lp and ramdas's story and and books to hang out with all of it it's a beautiful box set it's fantastic it's called from bindu to ojas which is basically means it's the whole kundalini thing mm. you know from from the point at which it starts at the base of the spine and ends at the top of the head. And so we're talking about, you know, talking about Mick Jagger having a lot of juice. And, you know, that juice, he, he's put to use in, in many different ways. Um, and <laughs> most recently to have a kid at <laughs> 73. Good thing he changed that name, though, Ram Dass, because I don't know if that would have been a bestseller. Uh, maybe not. From yeah. Bindu to what? Ojas. Ojas. Yeah. Be here yeah. now, I think, is probably better. better yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that basically means from the root. root of your crotch or whatever. Yeah. How do you say it? There's a better way to say it. Uh, I can't think of it. That's and pretty descriptive. And then to the top of yeah, your head. Yeah, right to the top of the head. Well, yeah. your wife teaches that in the yoga. Yeah, she does. Yes, she absolutely. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit. About it. We hardly know each other. We had lunch together at the retreat in Maui, right? Yes. And I know, of course, I know you uh, more through Duncan Trussell than anything else. Cause you I went Dun- to the retreat. Yes. And uh, But let's step back, way back. 
why so you went to the retreat but sometime way back in your life not that far back because you're young but at some point what sparked your interest in metaphysical um i think that maybe what uh i mean the first time i had an introspective thought (laughs) was maybe 21 like I wasn't an introspective no. child or person. And then I went to college and I think I got that book Grist for the Mill. At that, at, in college? Yes. Oh, really? The Ram Dass book. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was, and then also in conjunction with uh, The Road Less Traveled. Mm. And that sort of like opened up my mind to thinking about things like, especially Grist for the Mill, like, oh, if something bad happens, maybe it's something that is grist for the mill or you know is going to lead you to something else that could be even better and you can't control everything and you know I I I haven't read it in a long time but I just remember it adjusting my thoughts about things Mm. and you know just um you know being a good person and or trying to contribute in a positive way and not just being selfish and self-involved and Hmm. Um, so then I guess I was always kind of interested and then I would start reading Wayne Dyer. That really helped me because hmm. I was like a very ambitious person Oh yeah, and I wasn't getting anything, <laughs> you know, I was like very frustrated hmm. and I was in New York and I think I thought I should be like a huge celebrity at 20 and you know, it was like everyone told me no and you know, I couldn't get an agent and people told me I was too short and you know i couldn't afford anything and you know i would go to acting school but i had to waitress all the time and life was just really hard and you know to me and i wasn't really a part of anything you know i wasn't like a part of like a cool group of creative people and everything just seemed like a struggle Mm. you know never getting to leave manhattan if you're poor in manhattan and you can't leave (laughs) (laughs) that's like not the ideal way to be there So, you know, I would read self-help and it made me feel better. And, you know, I would meet certain people along the way. Like, you know, someone introduced me to Wayne Dyer and we would talk about it. And then, you know, I moved to L.A. and I started doing this um, form of Buddhism, this meditation kind of chanting. And, you know, then I immediately met Duncan and I was kind of embarrassed about the chanting and he was just like very open to it. He's like, oh, I chant Hare Krishna, I chant whatever. <laughs> and, you know, he was just like a very open person, you know, try, he'll try anything. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it, you know, we connected in that way and, and I recognized like how he just had this real gift to discuss spirituality in like a funny way. So I would sometimes just write things down that he would say and I'd be like, you have to save all this for a book, you know? Yeah. So it's so great that he has a podcast where he can talk about this kind of, um, you know, this, this, these topics and interview nuns and, you know, <laughs> people, whoever know. he wants to interview, mm. you know, people trying to legalize MDMA and, you yeah, know, whatever yeah. it is. But um, was, I think people... Was, was yeah. psychedelics involved early no. in your life for you? No. no. Not at all. No, I think Duncan got me into pot. <laughs> that was about it? <laughs> that was really enough for me. I mean, actually, I've tried psychedelics several times, and they've never worked for never me. Never worked? It's just never done anything. Like, I remember Duncan and I would, you know, we'd go to 
uh, Palm Springs and he would be, we would take mushrooms and he would just talk about like elves were running through his body and he was being terrorized <laughs> by elves. And I was just uh, like, I just felt mildly high, you know, it, it was kind of in a, just a little groggy or I don't know. It just never, I think some people are just very susceptible to mm. psychedelics. I don't know. And I've tried acid. I mean, I haven't tried it hundreds of times, but definitely I've been game and it hasn't worked. Really? That's interesting. I don't know why. I mean, maybe I just need like a higher dose or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But that, I mean, if, if I like eat like in Amsterdam, like I've had like a pot cookie that was like way too strong. Like I definitely respond to like drugs. Right. But um, not the psychedelics, but I would love to. Uh. Well, maybe you should get with him because uh, he just, he told me he's, yeah, he's what? He's, he's interviewing somebody else about MDMA. And MDMA is supposed to be that drug that you find the complete unity. I don't know. It sounds like speed to me. Uh, well, it could be if they don't make it right. Yeah, it could be a bummer, actually. John Waters said a quote that I really liked where he said, the problem with drugs is that people forget to stop doing them. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Yeah. Because, you know. I don't want to encourage you to take <laughs> drugs either. I, I love mean, drugs. I mean, I love marijuana. Psychedelics, psychedelics. I'd like to smoke pot every day, but I, you know, I don't, but I would like to. Yeah. That seems like a nice way to live life. <laughs> um, so, okay. So that wasn't involved. So whatever it is that. Um, well, I think that what I was going to say is it's relationships. So I think yeah. meeting up with people who are inspiring and can talk about metaphysics in in a in an articulate inspiring way that's sort of an inspiration to me yeah uh-huh so um but your initial thing was just uh, was you uh, trying to feel better about my career <laughs> <laughs> but there was some introspection involved i mean that's that's the first word i heard uh okay i wasn't very introspective when i was a youngster but when i hit Right. 21 something something happened that made me want to go inside and say what's really going on here right right is that common do you think or is that weird to uh, does that mean i'm like uh, i have antisocial personality disorder no, because no. i didn't have <laughs> introspective thoughts no it's uh, okay for me it was like I was so depressed when I was a teenager mm. that I was like okay there's got to be something that I can there's got to be something out there to save my ass from this. It pulls you out of yeah, something. just to pull pull me out. And it was at the time, before any kind of pot or anything, was music for mm. me. That's that pulled me out. You know, Dylan and uh, especially and and I tell this famous story, famous to me, not <laughs> famous to anybody else. But uh, when I was 15 or 16, I saw John Coltrane, who you know, who was uh, a transcendent uh, jazz musician. And I actually went out of my body really? for the first time listening, uh, just being there when he played my favorite things, this famous song. And that was gave, it a small venue. Yeah. A little club. Yep. I'll, I'm, and I can see it now. I can see him play. I mean, I can visualize it so easily. Like I can be there again. It was that powerful an experience. How long did the out of body experience last? It was just like during the song, you know, I was, I just got lost into, I completely got absorbed. That's when I say out of body. I got completely absorbed by the music, so much so that I stopped thinking about myself. 
I remember. Wow. Did it make you want to do music yourself or did it just make you want, did it have any sort of effect um, on your life? Like the, in terms of what you wanted to do with it? The effect that it had was that I, I saw a door, an exit, a doorway. Hmm. And then that, that doorway, and that's why I asked you about psychedelics. Mm-hmm. That doorway for me got um, opened further through acid, mm. which was later. Was it was it was a number of years later, five six years later, that I took acid for the first time and realized. That's why I talked about the unity. Then I realized something uh, that was really uh, a the seed was when i when i was uh, had that thing with coltrane although way l- well, later a few i'm talking about myself i want to hear about you no i'm but interested way later when i went to india i had my first meditative experience of absorption which was similar to that experience i had but much more powerful uh my body became like leaden weight and uh and it was like that opened up so I could just hover sort of at the top of my head. So it was, you and Duncan must have so much to talk about. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> I am always jealous of people who have such abandon. It wasn't abandon. I was really be- one-pointed. I, I wanted to get out of the horror that I was experiencing the, those years when I was a teenager. But I remembered that experience. I remembered when I was like eight or nine years old that I had had the same experience of sitting in my bed a couple of times and feeling like I couldn't move. I was like immobilized, f- feeling this t- tremendous. It's starting to happen right now. Holy shit. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd love to witness it, though. I've heard about <laughs> stuff like this so much. So, uh, yeah, anyhow. But the, the, certainly the psychedelic just did absolutely confirm to me that those experiences, that particular experience with Coltrane was real and there is a place that's beyond mind, body, mm. emotions, and I went after that place. I mean, I wanted that place, yeah. So what do that, you think is the cutoff age for trying acid? <laughs> Would that be irresponsible uh, of me? Uh, I not, really want to see what it's like. Really? But I think to, I would need a lot. Yeah. You maybe you should go you'll ask Ramdas if he can guide you on a trip and go to Maui and <laughs> do a retreat do with him and say He's I'm going to take us. Well, you know, he, uh, anyhow, we'll Okay. We'll see. I mean, that would that. be amazing. Yeah, right. Um no, it's uh, it's Duncan probably needs to be your guide. He'd be a good guide. Yeah. He'd be a good guide. And it yeah. Anyhow, we can I can't keep proffering drugs to you. It's just crazy. <laughs> we get busted. I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, anyhow, so as we, uh, so you go along here and you you move out to L.A. Mm-hmm. and you meet Duncan, right? You met him right away. No. Oh no! I so you went through some more tourists, as it's called. What is it called? Tourists trouble. Oh yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. Tourists. Tourists. Wait a minute. You're married. Uh, your husband's name is Moshe, right? Yes. I and, and he I hasn't taught you about tourists yet. No, is that oh. the Yiddish word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, trouble definitely had some tourists yeah you did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and then you know i i found stand-up and comedy and then got to be a part of a community and you know that was like a big thing even when i didn't have money like just to be a part of like a creative environment i mean it's probably like your spiritual community you call it like satsang right yeah but yeah. just having this sort of creative community if you've been waiting your whole life to like 
be creative and be a part of something and performing and having peers and everyone doing everyone working towards a common goal and you know it's not like it was collaborative being a stand-up but the community felt very mm. collaborative and mm. so just being a part of that was like a huge boon in my life not easy right being a woman doing that at that time was it or that wasn't a big deal i mean it's hard for me to talk about that because i don't want to seem anti-feminist <laughs> but because everyone always talks about how hard it is for women but i felt like being a woman made it kind of easy because if you're good at it there wasn't it was like you were a minority and so that's always better to not be like the thing that there's 500 of yeah right, right. so for me i felt like it was I, I felt very lucky to to be a woman hmm. you know what was it like though getting up there all of a sudden is that your foot you should answer it on the on the air i should <laughs> look i have a podcast <laughs> sorry okay. everybody out there it's all grist I tell everybody, turn your phone off for Christ's sake. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, um, being a woman, it's, yeah. it's the same as being a man, you know? It's, what, what's, what do you mean? It's, it's not, it, I, I think it's a personality type that drives you to want to stand in front of people and tell jokes and talk about your life and, you know, reveal things to a, a crowd of anonymous people. I don't think it, you know, I, I think it's, it's just a personality type that does that. Hmm. usually slightly damaged. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the improvisers yeah. are usually a little more well-adjusted. The stand-ups are a little more, didn't get enough love from one of their family members. I'd say, generally speaking. Yeah. That's improvising. That's, you go on stage, you're improvising. But I you? mean, like, people who are more in the sketch world and the uh -huh. improv world, it's kind of a different world than stand-up comedy. Those people are funny, but they're not like, the the compulsion to stand on stage by yourself with a microphone and talk to anonymous pe you know people you don't know over and over and over again and have it be bad for like three years <laughs> that's a that's a very specific thing because there's like no one else there there's nothing to hide behind there's yeah. there's no guitar there's no improv team member yeah. you know it's it's just it's a very specific thing and I, I think that that's why the community is so strong is because everyone's like so, kind of similar different than actors actors are like there's all different types of actors yeah. how the hell did you do that get up there and and go through that i think i was very desperate <laughs> <laughs> desperation honestly i just got lucky because i tried it and it worked and it was like a really positive experience the first time really that's the only time I had an out-of-body experience. Oh, tell me. I had an out-of-body experience the first time I did stand-up, but my hairdresser had given me a volume. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that, and I had never taken anything like that before because I was so nervous. Because I'm like you, I was like, how could I do this? There's no way I could possibly do this. I can't, I can't even envision myself doing this, but I'm going to do it. You know, usually like you can see something or see yourself doing something or you know, having a job or, you know, like visualization. That's another thing that was very helpful. Like the sort of, um, uh, there's this, there's this book called the magic of believing the power of positive thinking. You know, if you're very ambitious, you can sometimes read these books because they'll give you a little bit of, uh, you know, there's like just this idea that you can visualize 
what you want and at least it you're trying to keep your thoughts positive like my husband's always like oh so you believe in magic and i'm mm -hmm. like well no but it's just you know thoughts are things and thoughts can be things and so you want to keep yourself on this absolutely. positive do you believe that oh absolutely because some people it's, don't. it's all vibrations exactly period so anyway i couldn't even envision myself doing stand-up but I took this class and the end of the class was that you had to get up on stage and it was like a packed house. And so I didn't think, so I locked myself in my a studio apartment all weekend and was like, I'm just going to write jokes. So I just wrote different things. I somehow wrote a set. I have no idea how I did it. And I didn't expect people to laugh. And I was so nervous. My hairdresser who lived across the hall, he was like, here, take this. So I took this volume. And then when I got on stage... It was, I felt like the laughter, like people started laughing and I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it. And then <laughs> it just felt like waves coming over me, which I think maybe was the drugs. But like their laughter. Valium is not a big deal. Okay. I, maybe. It, it was half a Valium. Oh, half a Valium. <laughs> but also a glass of wine I think I took too. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. But I was just, I, I had never been so nervous. So, so yeah, when they started laughing, the laughter just kind of, it felt like a wave. That's mm. the only way I can describe it. And I was definitely, I didn't know what was happening in, in my life. And I just kept doing it because I knew it by heart. I just kept saying the act and doing the jokes. And no one had heard it before. I hadn't showed it to anybody. I had written these jokes. And, and you know, it was an easy crowd. But after I was done, I was just like in shock. I couldn't believe it that people laughed. And that it felt so great. And it was like felt so transcendent. Mm. Wow. And the second, of course, the second time I was on stage, it was a, t a terrible, terrible, like, because I was so confident. <laughs> I was like, oh, and, you know, I, I did some, like, open mic at a bar, and there were some sailors sitting there, and I tried to do some crowd work, and people were, like, yelling, and it was just, mm. like, bad, you know, but yeah. in my head, I was, like, thinking about, you know, I was going to be like, I'll be at the Comedy Store October 15th. Thank you. Good night. Like, mm -hmm. I just had this huge yeah. idea for, like, my second show, and it was just a huge bomb, and then I remember thinking I went home. And I laid on my bed and I remember thinking like, okay, this is going to be like really hard, but I know I can do it because of that first time. Mm, but no. I think a lot of comedians have a similar experience where it's like either really good at the beginning or really bad. But I've heard a lot of people talk about how like they had a great set the first time. And I think that because it's such a crazy thing to do, it kind of drives you that experience you're like okay if it happened that one time i mean i still haven't had as good a set as that first time no or at least the feeling of that like feeling yeah right because now it's like it's so hard getting the feeling because if i haven't written new jokes in a while and i'm touring you know really trying to say them like it's the first time is very challenging and i find my biggest struggle right now is not being like over it and not giving enough of myself because i'm kind of like not really feeling that excitement for being able to do this job because mm, yeah. there's so many other things I'm trying to do. Mm. So then you, uh, it all started to work out, right? And you found your, as they say in France, métier. What does that mean? Found your career. Your, yes. Your a work that you love. It's more than career. It's a That's work a nice that you word. love. Yeah. And, uh, and off you went. Well, I thought I loved acting, but then people, I remember someone once in New York was like, what kind of actor do you want to be? And I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a kind. He's like, do you want to be on soap operas? Do you want to be on commercials? Do you want to be in movies? And I was like, oh, I should go home and think about that. I never thought about it because <laughs> I was a child actor. So I just, oh, thought, were you? Oh. I was in plays like 
in you know I wouldn't go to school and I would be in the in the theater in, in Chicago. New York. No, in in Rockford in Chicago. Oh. That's it was where like the Chicago brother. area, yeah, uh-huh. where I'm from. So I would always like be the child in their regional theater plays. So I just knew I wanted to be an actress, but I didn't know in what form mm. or what way. Or I mean, I would have been happy. That's why it's so good to struggle because I would have been happy like being in a bank commercial, you know. And then it's I could have burnt out and done a bunch of commercials and then changed my career. So it's like it was good to struggle and have everyone tell me no, and then to move to another city and then to struggle more and then try this thing and then have it be, you know, and I was like 26 when I tried stand up. So that's why when people are like 23 and they've been doing it for six months and they're like, will you watch my, will you watch my set? Will you read my thing? And will you, you know, it's just takes a long time. So now you read uh, back to Gris for the mill Mm -hmm. because you're talking now about struggle and so on. And Mm -hmm. so you're, you seem to have, and this is sort of a Buddhist expression, made friends with struggle and a little bit of suffering because you, you know, you're not getting what you want and so on. Has grist for the mill that whole idea that whatever is sitting in front of you and whatever interacts with you just can help further you as a person? Has that stayed as a thread through all of this in terms of the work you've been doing and how you started out and all? I mean, I think it's definitely changed my you know, outlook in a way. I mean, I'm very, um, but also I feel very blessed because I really, I feel like I'm having the childhood I never had right now. (laughs) Like I'm like doing everything I want to do, like traveling and taking piano lessons and decorating and, you Uh know, just doing X, you know, doing uh, swimming and biking and just having a fun time. Oh yeah. You know, and acting and creating a show and being part of like a collaborative process. And mm. so I'm trying to, I, I feel like I've maybe transferred that into trying to enjoy like being in the moment. And, but yes, I mean, I guess I feel like not a lot of bad things are happening to me right now. <laughs> well, doesn't bad things don't have to happen in terms of grist for the mill. It's not about, okay, I'm going to deal with bad shit. It's about, everything good everything not bad but negative Mm -hmm. uh i mean it can be uh having um an argument with your husband uh you know you don't see eye to eye about something or or a Mm co-worker or or your you know dog takes a shit on your couch and you got to deal with that i mean it's not it's the little things Mm -hmm. and it's how we interact with each little thing and see our reaction is grist for the mill. I see. I definitely, I'm sure that book has influenced my reactions because I'm definitely very chill about most things. Yeah. It just sort of happened to me because I used to be so ambitious and desperate and just constantly like pushing and pushing and I'm sure people could sense that for me and I feel like Mm. I've just, it's a combination of things but you know, smoking pot and (laughs) having some success and reading books and being around enlightened people and, you know, all of these things sort of come together to help you. Mm. And, um, okay, so fast forward, of course, Duncan, we we have to mention Duncan a little bit uh, because I met, we were just talking about this before, I met Duncan and, uh, you know, he turned us on to podcasts. And he was living in the basement of this house. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sounds like Quasimodo or something. Well, my friend came over. My friend Brendan Wall. She was like, Duncan, he's like your teenage son. He's just <laughs> downstairs in the basement <laughs> working on <laughs> playing video games. and. Yeah, he know? told. So he finally. Uh, he would drink like Red Bull and like learn. He would build websites down there. Really? That's I think what that's what he was doing. I don't know. He told Ramdas he was uh, just down in the basement of his girlfriend's house, depressed out of his mind, smoking too much pot and playing video games until one day he finally decided, I got to get out of this. And he decided to to get in touch with Ramdas to do a Skype session with him. Well, we actually did a Skype session with him together. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, tell me about that. When we were still, uh, you know, happily together. Mm. And... Uh, that was interesting. I remember we were really interested in what Ramdas would think about comedy and making fun of things. Because I think at the time, I was on a show called Chelsea Lately, and it's all about like just being really mean and t- like making fun of celebrities. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Duncan, his comedy is very biting, and I think that was the first thing we asked him. And I remember Ramdas said, um, he said, as long as it's there's no, it's not mean. Mm. But also, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. <laughs> what? Well, because sometimes things that are a little mean, if the, if if it's comedy, definitely can be a little biting and a little harsh. And I mean, I feel bad, but I mean that's that's what I do. Yeah. Well, let me. Just so I just have to deal with it. Yeah. Ramdas, I absolutely love Larry David. Okay, he's mean, and and yeah, he's the most self-centered, <laughs> selfish person on the in the show, obviously. Um, and I tried to turn Ramdas on. I said, "You'd love this, you know. It's like a Jewish humor, whatever. You'd get it, you know." And he absolutely didn't, couldn't stand it. Right, just for th- <laughs> and. And I'm like, okay, we're not on the same page about this. This is exactly. my favorite guy in the whole world. But we need Ramdas to not. I mean, we don't want him to have a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's true. You know, because he has to be so extreme in his own way. Yeah. That. Um, so I, I didn't let it bother me too much. And it's it, certainly no, not going to stop doing comedy. Yeah. No. <laughs> and you know how it plays out actually in my life. That thing that you just said about Ramdas. We need him to be. We do. Because, uh, for instance, you know, as the director of the foundation that we have, right, I get a ton of mail, right? And and there's a lot of people, and Ram Dass, you know, I, I send him stuff that's really critical, people dying and so on and so forth, that he needs to talk to. But then there's some of it that's not that critical, and he doesn't have time, and, you know, so I try and respond. So, on my own, some of these questions are so, I don't want to say that word, uh, shall we say, not thought through very carefully. Whose questions? People just wanting to get to Ramdas and saying, oh. can you help me? My uh, the That's okay. the nature of like public speaking though, right? People just, like if you watch the actor studio, people just stand up because they want to ask, you know, Al Pacino yeah. a question. They want him to see who he is, yeah. right? I mean, that's Yeah, but there's that. But most of it is people really having critical stuff going on in their lives mm. and he's... You know, he's the the person they look to. Mm-hmm. But then you have stuff like, okay, I hope I don't get in trouble. Somebody wrote, and I hope you're not listening, ma'am, uh, that... Uh, or maybe she is. Maybe that's what she needs to hear. 
anyhow, this is a critical thing for this person. They accidentally killed their bunny. Oh. Okay? Terrible, right? They were trying to help the bunny, and whatever they did had the opposite effect. It killed the bunny. They just did something wrong in terms of the treatment. Okay. And Ramdas, what can I do? I feel so guilty. And <laughs> and so my initial reaction is, okay, like, get over this. Okay, you know, would be to be a little bit bitey. And then, but I always have Ramdas in my head. Every person who comes with whatever they come, he treats it with total respect mm. as if it's, it could be the biggest question in the world about life and death. Or about a bunny that you mm-hmm. accidentally offed. So what a gift to be able to like take that seriously. <laughs> really, <laughs> it is. It is. So I mean, it's like when he sits down with anybody, he gives full attention. You know how hard it is to give full attention, right? I mean, I'm the worst. I get into so much trouble because I'm doing. You know, I'm ADD mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about other shit, and I'm not giving the attention somebody deserves. Somebody said, uh, I forget who, a famous person, the most generous thing you can do in your life is to give full attention to another human being. And so I, hard. Uh, yeah, so hard. And he does that. And you're right. If he had this other thing, which takes a little bit of a cynical thing going on to, to love Larry, mm-hmm. Larry David, right? You're right. I don't think I want him to love Larry David. <laughs> I think you're right. Do you think Ram Dass ever rolls his eyeballs in anything? I, uh, you know, he's, the, yes, I'm sure That's there's good. a little role here and there, <laughs> yeah, especially around the people that are closest to him. Because that's so human, you yeah. know, that's so, yeah. that's, I mean, comedians are like all that. All we do is look for things to make fun of and. Yeah, right, 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 right. And to, I mean, hopefully you're not making fun of targets that don't deserve it. Yeah. But, you know. It happens. But so, yeah, so Ram Dass told us. You know, he didn't quite get co- like comedy that was mean, and mm-hmm. he thought it should all be fun. But I mean, then we're then we're talking like Red Skelton or clowns, or I don't even know <laughs> <Red> what. <laughs> who's on first, I guess. Like, I don't really know where, where you know, what kind of comedy. Mm. I guess it's just not the kind of I like satire, so it's it's hard to think of comedy that has no victim. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, there is the comedy that you're the victim. Yeah, and and Larry David, that's a lot of the case, right? Yes, but he is he, pretty like mean. Yeah, he's, to people he, around he, him. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous and yeah. classist and yeah, 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 right. No, it's awful. <laughs> 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 uh, what else did Ramdas say? Um, well, those were the main. Oh, and then we asked him about chanting, and he was like, and "This was over Skype," and he was like, "Oh, is that the the chant where you chant for a car?" <laughs> and he didn't really respond to that. So, because I, you know, but the thing about the kind of chanting that I was doing is it was just really putting me in a, you know, I, I, I would, I was never able to really lose myself in like a, in a um, sort of transcendental meditation. I was just get so distracted. And something about the chanting, just doing an outwardly focus would just help me. At one it, point. It, instead of keeping your mind on the breath, like you just keep your mind on the chant. Yeah. You know, so same same damn thing. That's meditation. Yeah, I, I kind of no like different. the chant because then it feels more tangible. Yeah, my my personality just reacted to that more than 
just closing my eyes, trying to think of a mantra and keep getting distracted in my head. Mm. But maybe I should try it more. No, it's whatever works, actually. I mean, this is what, you know, Christian does, of course. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, although he wasn't at that retreat you were at. I've, I've gone and seen him, though, before. Yeah, so you that's his practice. His And it's the same Chanting? as... Chanting? Me- yeah, and that's meditation. I mean, I'm sure he sits, too, but... But what does he chant? But his chant is, it's all, you know, Sanskrit mantras. Mm. It's no different. So Buddhist mantras, Sanskrit mantras, you know, Hindu, it's all the same. It's getting so that when you are focused on that, on the mantra in that chant, and you realize that you are thinking about other shit, you come back to focus on the chant. Same as breath, same as anything. Mm -hmm. So whatever is more easy for you and part you know it's your personality your makeup you know and that's that's what uh, if it works god bless and that's what works for him why he's so popular is he's actually doing oh, that he's singing thing. the chants yeah he's wait, wait a minute you were at the concert well i i it was a long time ago but he sings yeah shri ram jay yes, ram yes, jay, yes. Jay, jay, yeah so why he's so popular is that He's actually doing it as a practice, not as a show. Mm. And people get that and they want to be part of it. That's cool. Yeah. So so definitely. Ch- are you still chanting? Mm-hmm. Oh, great. This particular uh, Nam Ryo? Yeah, I like that yeah. one. Yeah. But I also d- do Ram mm. that Ram Das taught. Yeah. yeah where's your mala, by the way? Um. Did you did get the mala, right? I After haven't. that whole damn thing. I'll t- we'll have to talk about that. I don't wear it every day. Oh, my God. Am I supposed to? Sinner. It's not really my fashion. It is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too bohemian oh, for I me. I see. Yes, I can see. By and I, but I, what I like to do is wear a cape or a shawl and walk around and kind of hide it. Yeah. <laughs> do it as I'm walking right, kind right. of thing. Right. What, uh, anything else happen in that? List? So did that conversation spark something else in you? That Skype session with him? Um, I mean, it was very, Skype is always hard. I kind of hate it. It never really? works. Well, it's always like it's the sound and they freeze and, oh, you yeah. know, it was, but it's, it was just it's cool. way better now. Yeah. Okay, good. It was just cool to Skype with Ramdas for free that he was just like there wanting to talk to people. Yeah. And I thought that was really special. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then back to your story. So yes, Duncan was down here and I think he contacted you. Yeah. Because right. we were kind of at the end of our relationship. You were at the time. Yeah. yeah, you know, relationships don't always last forever. They don't. And you know what happened is I, I got another dog and she was pregnant. Hmm. And the vet told me she was only going to have two babies. And he's like, I think it'd be good for you to have some children <laughs> with the, through the dog. I was like, okay. Yeah. Anyway, she ended up having five. Oh. And so, and so I had like eight. We had like five puppies, two other dogs. And it was just like... Every morning, you know, it was just so hard. And I I feel like I couldn't handle the domesticity of it all. And like, you know, you'd walk into the kitchen where all the puppies were. So you had to keep them for eight weeks. And they would just be like, tear, like pissing and shitting and <laughs> trying to like tear my Chris clothes. Chris the mill, yeah. Yeah, and it was just like every morning waking up and going to deal with that and then like, yeah, I think Duncan and I were kind of drifting apart and it was just like everything was kind of leading towards, you know, us kind of going our separate ways. But mm. Wow. And then, um, but we're still friends, so that's nice. Yeah. So much so that you uh, 
recently came to a retreat knowing he'd be there. So Well, he I, invited me to come, yes. And Moshe, my husband, was supposed to come, yeah. but he couldn't come for some reason. He was yeah. working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was really nice. It was great to hear Ramdas speak. Um, and and you and, and everyone and I and was so were, proud of Duncan that he got to be such a part of it and he was so re- well respected because you know, Duncan was one of those people that had so much potential but you know, didn't quite, he wasn't the type of person who was going to like go to commercial auditions and pound the pavement and try to get agents. And, you know, like he really had to forge his own path. And, you know, he was one of the first people I knew who had a podcast. In fact, all of the major podcast networks and comedy all came after Duncan's. And, you know, even some of the people who have, like, I remember our first guest on our podcast was Chris Hardwick. And he was like, wait, so what do you do? You just like, do this podcast and then mm-hmm. like he has like this whole industry based on it so D- Duncan was definitely way ahead Head. of the curve yeah. and um, mm. so I'm just glad that he was able to find such an audience and you know really be in his metra metra is that how you say it find metier, his yeah he find found his it, metier yeah. yeah no he did and uh, but it was really evident at the Ramdas uh, mm. retreat yeah because he was up on stage with Ram Dass, making him laugh. He got Ram Dass a Trump shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that was very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? He has brought so many people, opened up doors to so many people. I mean, I see it just in terms of the mail. I see it people I meet. I see it at the retreats. And, you know, and there's a whole younger skewed audience uh, that's part of what's who's listening to mind rolling that we're doing right now. And so he talk about metier or, you know, having just a career you love and, and how it blossomed for him. But he's got, there's something else going on. Uh, he's a piece of the grace, shall we say, of, uh, of what's going on in terms of passing all of this forward. Mm-hmm. All of what Ramdas has represented all these years and all these other teachers that are part of the Be Here Now network that, uh, that we started, Jack Cornfield and Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Go, all of these people. He's become a part of allowing a, an audience to get exposed to, to this, you know, what I think is really... Uh, down-to-earth stuff for people to be able to get a grip on on just day-to-day lives and how they're living. And also podcasting is such a brilliant way to do it because I remember Duncan telling me a long time ago about Maharaji, who's like touched all of your lives so so intensely. Uh, You know, Duncan would say like, you know, someone like that could blast off and look at all the people he's been able to penetrate and then they can pass it down. Yeah. But what's cool about that is like, imagine if you had podcasting then when you were talking to Maher, you know, yeah, so it's, right. it's kind of cool that now you can just be really blasting it out and, and touching more people. Yeah. yeah no, it seems to be happening in a big way. Okay. So you're at the retreat, you get there, you don't know anybody except Duncan. The retreat, to be honest, was a little out of my comfort zone. Is that okay to say that? Yeah. Well, I just feel, I feel like I would do better in something a little more extreme. How so? Like maybe a non-speaking retreat or something that was a little more, like I'm not good at just socializing with strangers. That's not really. Uh That's what I I I wondered. I don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that's something I should push myself to do, but I don't like waiting in a food line and making conversation with some random 
men or women. I don't know. It's just not really. That's not my thing. Like I would prefer almost something. Were people hitting on you at the retreat? <laughs> not necessarily, but like that could happen very easily because it's it, there's a social aspect to it. Yeah. So, um, but I really enjoyed the talks and the yoga. But I guess I would, I don't know. I think maybe it would have been better if my husband came. Yeah, I think, yeah. that, that. Like to have, some, like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I think some people are more um, responsive to just throwing themselves in with a bunch of strangers and doing activities where you look in each other's eyes Oh, did you do that? Yes, but that makes me like <laughs> so uncomfortable. I, I want I want to die. <laughs> and maybe it's the comedian in me. Like I can't take that. You know, it's I, I, there's too much cynicism and there's too much, even though I, you know. Okay, well, you have to address that in some way, though. I mean, it's one thing. You know what I mean? I'm very glad I went. I had a great time. I went swimming and. Just like me. That was the thing. Did you do that? What's that? You do this and you do eye contact. Mm-hmm. And you say... I already hate it. Whatever you want, I want, because you're just like me. Something like that. And there's a bunch of different phrases that you say. And then you just sit there in that space. R- listen. I would like to be on drugs. I think I could do it if I was <laughs> if they like passed out drugs. But that's another thing. I didn't have any drugs. <laughs> Because I think that would have been maybe helpful for some of the. Right. First of all, let's we keep talking drugs. Okay, marijuana is not a drug. Really? No, acid it's is not, not a, a drug. drug. MDA and MDMA is not a drug. What do you so call a drug? Speed, crank, <laughs> cocaine, morphine, heroin. heroin. Those are drugs. Okay, pharmaceuticals are drugs. Psychedelics are not drugs. Psychedelics are benefit to mankind so drugs puts them in you know of course the you know the dea just would not reclassify do you hear about this they would not reclassify marijuana as a schedule one they're continuing to classify it as heroin i mean so that's what really I mean. yeah no it's but it, i thought so it was like mer- it's medical now yeah dea does not believe so Wow. Yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, you didn't have any pot at the retreat. Well, I'm just saying in order to do these things that are so out of my comfort zone, like stare in each other's eyes or, you know, sing Hare Krishna with my arms around people. Well, you didn't have to do that. In yoga, we did it. Oh, my I'm wife? just saying it would have helped me to to have no, some. No, wait. So Duncan is there. Why didn't you go to him? I, well, no, we talked. No, I'm... By the way, I had an amazing time. I'm just saying it was like... No, but I, I feel bad. When actually I saw you sitting alone having lunch one day, right? And I, I had lunch in my room, so I don't think you saw me. Okay, you were in the dining room. You were eating. And I, was, I came over to you and I said, can I sit with you? And you That's said, because sure. we had plans for lunch. Oh, did we? Oh, yes. we met somewhere. We met, and we for, said, lunch. Okay, yes, we met for lunch. Yes, but it brings back so much. I mean, this is all stuff I need to address. Maybe I need to go to the retreat again and address these things. But it reminds yeah. me of like being in the lunchroom and having to make friends. And Oh, God. You know how bad I feel right now. Why? Because no, don't feel bad. I, I, I thought Duncan would take. I knew you were going to be there. He told me. And I thought he would have taken care of you and introduced you to some people, me or something, and just say, you know, my friend's here, you know, introduce her to some nice people, get her a joint, something. 
<laughs> you know. No, it was I said to him, "Have you been?" He said, "No, I haven't really been hanging out." I said, "Why not? Is it your girlfriend?" He goes, "Well, no, I don't think so." No, I mean, I w- I wasn't going. You know, I I wasn't going to make friends. I I really it was very important to me to hear Ramdas speak, and it was very moving, and a lot of the stuff really affected me, and it was mm. it was really great. I I had a great time. Okay, I'm just telling you, I don't like staring at each of someone's eyes. Okay, all right, we won't make you do that. <laughs> But what, okay, give me the biggest pickup from... You can cut this part out. uh, Why? (laughs) I don't cut anything out, by the way. Uh, Well, what's the biggest pickup that you came away with that, that, uh, say, you might think has really been useful for you? Um, I really liked when Ramdas was talking about, I think it maybe it was on the last day he was talking about when he was spilling on his shirt. (laughs) Remember he was talking about he's a very messy person and he said that, you know, when he when he spills on himself when he's eating, instead of being like, damn, or getting mad, he's like, God, I really love that guy who's <laughs> spilling. <laughs> I thought that was a really, I have not gotten there yet, but I would love, I wish I had that recording. I want to hear him say it again. Did you record that? We filmed the whole darn thing. Oh, cool. I would love to hear some of those speeches again because... You know, it's like in the moment you're... Yeah, right. Yeah, no, uh, yes, you uh, get on the ramdas.org mailing list. And then you'll get in... Yeah, please get on there anyhow. But I thought that was such a nice thing, especially for like confidence and self-love and just like just loving the person who is doing the spilling instead of the opposite. Yeah, well, if if that be the only takeaway that you got, that would be another Jewish thing. Dayenu. Do you know Dayenu? Die, Dayenu. Yeah, we yeah. sing it sometimes. Okay. That would have been enough. So Dayenu means, means gift? Fit. No, it's enough. That would. Oh, it's enough. If, right, right, if right, he right, only right. took us a cry, <laughs> if he gave us some matzah, that would have been enough. But right, then right. if he did, you know, if that's all you took away from it, a Dayenu, big time. Because really, and for everybody out there, by the way, this is the core teaching is... Uh, and and Ramdas talks about I mean, I mean in this case with spilling food on yourself and not getting you piece of shit how can you do that okay instead loving that really part love of that your guy thing. yeah <laughs> and he said like whenever he has weird thoughts right suddenly he'll have a weird thought he'll and he'll stop and he'll go how did I get here I love that how did I get here say that and people out there this is a way to deal with you know your fear of shit thoughts. How did I get here? And then sort of just surround that thing with, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. He's okay. Because he's human. We're human. We have, you know, horrific thoughts at times, right? And we have all kinds of crap that's going on in, in our minds. Surround it with, you know, a little bit of, I love that guy. And mm-hmm. so that's terrific, Natasha. Absolutely. And then we terrific. had lunch with him afterwards and he spilled all over himself. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, you know, well, stroke victim, wheelchair. I know. Twenty years he's been. I didn't even understand if he. Yeah, I I I didn't realize that he. I guess I saw that that movie Fierce Grace, which was really amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wasn't quite sure what the extent was, but he seems very. He seems to be flourishing. Yeah, indomitable spirit, Mm -hmm. and and he does not. Uh, you know, the suffering does not put him down, period. 
you know, and there's a lot of it. I mean, you know, anybody in that condition, obviously, you know. So, yeah, he's pretty amazing. Um, Dianu. Yeah, Dianu. <laughs> we should call this whole podcast Dianu, <laughs> Dianu. All right, well, we got to say a little bit before we leave about okay, what are you doing now? Tell us what you're doing right now. The people can catch you on TV and stuff. Um, I have a show. Well, we're the finale. I don't know when this airs. We have the finale is uh, this week and next week on an, uh, Comedy Central. It's called Another Period. It's a show. But it's three three years. It, this is the third season. Well, we're writing the third season now. Okay, so, so you've had this two, is the second, second season, season right now, and the finale is next week. And it's a show. It basically takes place in 1902 in Newport, Rhode Island, and it's you know, the Gilded Age. It's kind of like if the Kardashians lived at Downton Abbey. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think people realize okay. that we had our own Downton Abbey, but it was like, it was, it, people were living like rappers because it was America and it was all new money. And so, and there was no income tax. So these people were just insane. Wow. So it's a comedy about these socialites trying to get famous at the turn of the century, wow. um, which is really hard because there's no technology. And yeah. so, um, so that we're writing, we're starting to write the third season next week, and mm. the wow. second season. So it's picked up years. again. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's fabulous. And doing that, and doing some to- mild touring, and um, now the wait, the f- the first season can uh, can we get it on Netflix? It, that kind of the whole thing will be available on Hulu next next week. Oh, it's a Hulu thing. Yeah, well, yeah. it's not on Hulu; it's on Comedy Central. But right. there's a lot okay. of deals with, with you know some the, things yeah, are yeah. on YouTube and some things are on Hulu yeah. and right. Netflix. But this is on Hulu and also on Comedy Central. Okay. It's called Another Period. Right. And I'm the creator and writer and star, along with Ricky Lindholm. We did it together. Oh, nice. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah. Um, and what else? You were going to say something. That's else. enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. As Maria Bamford says when they ask her what she's working on, she goes, oh, I'm done. but yes that's i mean that really takes up all of my time it's i wish i could do a million other things Mm. but it's like we just finished editing season two and then two weeks ago Mm. and now we start writing Mm. so it really took up the entire year because i'm also you know show running it with with my partner too so we're Mm. kind of Oh, wow. the ma- so, we have to make every decision right, from right. what song goes here to who we're going to cast right, to, right. Uh, you know, the ri- we're hiring writers, right? Like as soon as we're done, I have to go go, go to meetings to right, meet right. writers. So right. it's like, it just, you know, there's, it's an endless. So everybody out there, take a look, go up to Comedy Central and. Or Hulu. Another or period. Another period. I'm going to do it. I think you'd like it. Yeah. Don't have Ram Dass watch it, though. It's very mean. Is it? <laughs> I like it. If you like Larry David, you'll like this. Exactly. Yeah, right, right. Well, thank you so much, Natasha. Thank you. This and is It's fun. great to hang out and meet you and get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we do want you to come back with, with your husband. With yes, Michelle. he would love to. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, let's make a plan about that. And meanwhile, this is Mind Rolling. I'm Raghu Marcus with Natasha Leggero, and uh, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.